It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, June 22nd. Uh, the LA Galaxy, we think we know when they're going to be headed to Orlando. And if that's the biggest news we have tonight, then we did something wrong, because we have a bunch of other stuff to look at. Uh, we're actually going to talk a little NWSL, but not in the way that we did the last week, um, although there will be a little bit of that, talking about the NWSL expansion in Los Angeles. We will touch on that, but no, we're going to talk a little bit about the Orlando Pride and how that may affect Major League Soccer, NBA, NHL, MLB, and everybody else who thinks they might have a season going on. So we're going to talk about that uh, again, um, just some interesting stuff in terms of what Major League Soccer has been doing in this downtime since uh, they agreed with the players to have this tournament. We're going to tell you why you don't have a TV schedule. So uh, we got a bunch of stuff to touch on. There will be some little tidbits of, of juicy information. So maybe, maybe if you're hungry, you want to stick around because we have an award-winning uh, recipe for you coming up as well. It's just that kind of week. Uh, to help me do all this tonight uh, is the wonderful Mr. Kevin Baxter. How's it going, Kevin? Hey, happy Father's Day plus one. And by the way, speaking of the Galaxy, you, do you know I've watched more Man City games on TV in the last six days uh, as many as I've watched the Galaxy play in person this year. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, the EPL starting back up and uh, and getting games under their belt. Uh, we talked so much. Um, by the way, thank you and happy Father's Day to you as well. Um, we talked so much about, you know, MLS living in this vacuum of sports and the vacuum of sports is getting less and less vacuumy. Uh, if, if that's a word. Uh, so it's an interesting sort of place for MLS, for NWSL, for the NBA, for everybody who's planning on coming back here in a rather short amount of time, Kevin. It's an interesting time to sort of be watching all this go around. I mean, uh, I know there are a lot of people who are watching NASCAR today, uh, and certainly with the events around NASCAR, uh, I don't know how you could not be interested in watching what they've been doing and, and sort of the issues that they've been dealing with. Um, with, by the way, a little tip of the captain NASCAR and, and some of the ways they've been handling things. Um, but uh, having said all that, you know, the, the, the sports desert that we once had, Kevin, is starting to, to sprout little, little, little shoots of life here. Well, maybe. Oh, and by the way, on Father's Day, um, thank you for that. Although we don't celebrate Father's Day here. My kids say that uh, they think I'm a real mother, so um, we <laughs> yeah. don't celebrate Father's Day much. But uh, there, is, um, there is a fly in the ointment, as we used to say, with a lot of this. Um, I don't think the leagues and teams waited too long to try to come back. I think the timing was good. They had, you know, there's a number of things that they had to do. But things seem to be kind of breaking the wrong way when you see some of the things that are going on. Uh, I guess we'll talk about uh, more in depth about what happened in the NWSL and why the Orlando Pride had to pull out of their tournament. Um, but they're not the only team with uh, in, in any sport with people testing positive. Right in the or Central Florida area, right where MLS is going to start their uh, MLS's back tournament in early July, just in the last week, we've had the Philadelphia Phillies and Toronto Blue Jays shut down their facilities because of people tested positive for coronavirus. The Tampa Bay Lightning had to shut down their training facilities because people tested positive. Florida is out, is just blowing up. They they have doubled their number of coronavirus cases uh, in the last 29 days. They are now the seventh state with more than 100,000 coronavirus uh, cases. Um, one quarter of those, excuse me, one fifth of those have come in the last seven days alone. They've had about 22,000 cases in the last seven days alone. 
And a lot of people in the NBA and NHL, or excuse me, NBA and MLS have already mentioned that they're concerned about this, that when in the case of MLS, when they agreed to come just a couple of weeks ago, when they agreed to come and play in the tournament, the Players Association, the number of cases was quite low. Now it's exploding. And and the problem isn't, I don't think MLS has problem with their, the protocol that they have inside the Swan and Dolphin Resort to be quarantined and there's going to be guards and all kinds of stuff and there's going to be repeated testing. The problem is the hotel staff, they're unionized and they, they do not have to, uh, they cannot be compelled to stay on site. And so they're going to be going in and out of the bubble. They're going to be going home. They're going to have their days off. They're going to go places. Um, the Orlando Pride, 10 of their people, four, six players and four staff members tested positive for coronavirus over the weekend. Apparently, that's traced to a bar visit that right. some or all of those 10 people made. Presumably, the same people that are going to be in the Dolphin and Swan, they can go to that uh, bar if they want when they're outside the bubble. And then they're going to bring that back in uh, to the MLS bubble because the, the hotel workers are going to go in and out. And a lot of MLS players are a little concerned about that. Yeah, I mean, the the big thing, and I think the good thing is that so far, all six players and I think the four staff, I think they're all showing asymptomatic um, from, from what I've seen. So, I mean, you're getting positive tests. Um, but it's just a, sort of an indication of how clearly uh, things are, they, like how quickly things can fall apart. And for this particular, you know, uh, team, um, you know, Orlando is, you know, you had a whole team of players that was getting ready to go. They were starting that tournament June 27th. Um, so in just a couple days, really, uh, whenever you look at, you know, how far away, five days, they were supposed to be they starting. Were supposed that- to leave. They were supposed to leave Wednesday and they actually wanted to go this weekend and get there early, but... NWSL apparently, uh, because of cost or some other reason, uh, denied that uh, request for them to go. So they, they, you know, they would have been in Utah and they would have presumably not gone to the bar and, and not had that problem. But, you know, even Utah, you think, okay, well, they're going from Florida hotspot to Utah. If you're thinking about the Orlando Pride, you know, Utah is blowing up right now. And, and the health authorities in Utah said that if they do not cut the number of coronavirus uh, contagions in half by July first, if they didn't, you know, they're they're up over forty thousand now. It needs to go under twenty thousand by July first. If not, they're predicting that their hospitals will be overrun. So uh, this is a, a state, Utah, that we haven't mentioned a lot. You know, talking right. about coronavirus cases, and it's it's weird. It's just the the connections. You know, uh, the, the National Women's Soccer League going to Utah, thinking that that would be a safe place, and now all of a sudden the coronavirus is kind of following them there. Yeah, it's one of those things. Well, I mean, you know, things come in waves, right? And so really you're looking at a wave that hadn't reached Florida. You're looking at a wave that hadn't reached Utah yet. And now you're finding that basically you're joining, you know, Florida in the midst of this uprise. Um, you know, the the real question, and, and it's interesting that we talk about NWSL in this way, is that, you know, this really is not just an NWSL problem. Um, this is an MLS problem. This is an NHL problem. This is an NBA problem. You know, the NBA is also going to Orlando. Uh, uh, they're also staying in hotels similar to the plan that the, the MLS has sort of installed. Um, so you're looking at this, and this isn't just, you know, you could even look at Major League Baseball as the as the owners look like they have, uh, they're going to try to force the players into playing on an old deal and some interesting times with that whole thing. But I mean, realistically, you're looking at where they were going to go, um, or, or Arizona, you know, Florida, in places where they wanted to play in their um, spring training, historical spring training areas. That may not be possible either with, with just sort of the rising and the fact that you're seeing teams test positive. You know, we've talked about Atlanta United. We talked about the Philadelphia Union. Granted, those were like one and two here off. But here you have players and staff who, you know, you can't really say that they were they were 
being reckless, although certainly you could say if they went out to a bar, uh, if things are open for business, it's hard to sort of be like, hey, you shouldn't do that. But at the same time, I'm pretty sure the rest, certainly from from Sydney LaRue's tweet, it felt like she was throwing some shade that direction, basically saying, you know, the majority of us worked so hard to make this happen. And, you know, it was ruined. Basically, uh, reading between the lines, it was ruined by a few people, um, you know, going out and not really, you know, staying. But it really brings into a question. One is, does MLS even attempt this tournament down in Orlando? And we're hearing, Kevin, I think you told me that that teams are going to start arriving this week, right? Yeah, San Jose is supposed to arrive. The earliest teams can arrive is Wednesday. And it sounds like San Jose is going to arrive sometime in the middle of the week. They're not having much success in getting clearance to train in San Jose. They're way behind the rest of the league. So they're going to check in early. Then I heard Orlando was going to check in this weekend, which doesn't make any sense to me. Why would you put those players behind the bubble? this early i mean it, we're talking about a quarantine and but, it's but it, do, but it does i mean if, if you're worried <laughs> now they were by the way or orlando um the orlando pride were were clear that they had no contact with any of the you know um orlando men's team um on that as well no no contact with orlando city and so therefore there shouldn't be anything but if you're seeing that it's a hot spot if you're knowing that orlando itself is a hot spot that around there is a hot spot wouldn't you want to slam your team into quarantine before they could get sick um, well, how can you say that when some of the players on the Pride are married to some of the players on Orlando City? That's hey, I didn't say it; they said it, right? Well, so I, yeah, but, I mean, I know what you're saying though. But and, and the other thing is, is you know, since uh, June 13th, which is only what about eight days ago, as we record now, uh, three MLS teams have had players test positive, mm-hmm. or, or Atlanta had two test positive, uh, DC United had one test positive. Um, and Miami. Miami had a player test positive. Yep. And one other team, unnamed team, there's, there's, uh, the athletic was throwing this around today that apparently one other team they believe has also had a player test positive, but that hasn't been announced yet. And the anxiety that this causes, especially when it's like an unnamed, maybe, maybe the players' union knows, but when it's an unnamed player on an unnamed team, all that kind of, you know, um, uh, stuff, uh, you know, that is not transparent makes players wary. And when you look at how this has affected the NWSL, and what it's done to their tournament. They were going to, the Challenge Cup, NWSL was going to start on Saturday. Going to be the first club game, Portland uh, Thorns against North Carolina Courage. It's going to be the first uh, women's club game ever shown on an over the air US network on CBS. And that may sound like there's a lot of qualifiers there, but it was a big deal. Coming off the World Cup Championship last year, this was going to be a big team, a big deal for the league. Now, with this uh, uh, problem with, with Orlando, they're going to play. Orlando's not going to the tournament, so missing from the tournament will be Marta from Brazil, Ashlyn Harris, Ali Krieger, Emily Sonnet from the U.S. national team, um, and, and then other players that have already pulled out because they fear COVID. Carly Lloyd got hurt; she has a knee injury. She pulled out of the tournament over the weekend. Megan Rapino, the reigning World Player of the Year, said she was not going to play in the tournament because of fear of COVID nineteen. Christian Press apparently will not play either. That hasn't been announced yet, but. She seems to be leaning that way. Alex Morgan is not coming uh, because she just gave birth to the, her first child in May. So now you have this tournament going forward without the star players, and you're going to turn this game on on CBS on Saturday, and you're not going to recognize a lot of the players, and you're going to say, "Well, wait a minute, I thought this was the, you know, this was the league where the World Cup champion team played." Yeah, but a lot of those players aren't coming, and we're starting to to have players in MLS question that we we already know that it looks as if Carlos Vela will not come. Uh, another thing, uh, you know, Houston has uh, Christian Ramirez um, uh, playing for them, 
that's in the galaxy's group. He's probably not going to come. His wife is, is very close to delivering a baby, so he's probably going to stay with her. Um, and, and the more the, the news comes out about the danger of Florida, I wouldn't be surprised to see a few more players start to question whether they want to go. I think Bill Hamid was another guy who mm-hmm. talked about the danger of going there. Well, I mean, it's one of the questions that you certainly have to ask yourself. By the way, let's tell you, let's tell you this uh, if you want. I wish I had like the breaking news like sound bite thing, you know, dun, 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 dun. Yeah. yeah, that that type of thing. We don't, so we and I won't put it in because I, I just it's quarantine shows and they're too difficult mentally for me to even put up with. Um, the LA Galaxy will report to Orlando in early July. Um, you know, we sort of assumed that all teams had to be there by July first because July eighth was when the tournament started. But really, you have to be there seven days before your first game. Uh, and so, when is their first game, and who is it against? <laughs> yeah, God only knows. Uh, we don't know, and we're going to touch on that here in a second. But the Galaxy look like they're going to go. I think if you, Kevin, you and I were sort of guessing, like July third, July fourth, um, probably seems like it's pretty good. Which means the Galaxy will probably play their first game three to six days, three to four days, three to five days after the tournament starts. Yeah, um, I, I think the teams know the schedule. They haven't released it to us yet, but I spoke to another club who was fairly confident that they knew when they were going. He, he was talking about his team reporting on July 4th, which would mean that their team was playing on July 11th, which would be, the, I believe, the final day of the first games in each group. Um, and so he seemed to already know when his team was playing the schedule hasn't been announced yet, so I, I, I'm, I'm guessing the clubs already know. Well, yeah, and you would expect that. Now, let's get to why we don't have a schedule yet, or why it's been slacking and everything else. And you know, it's a, it's a continuation of the story that we were telling you on Thursday. Uh, the hammer and I were talking about how Major League Soccer and the TV contracts, and that's certainly something that is still being played out here in terms of yes, ESPN is producing every single game. Uh, yes, ESPN is going to have to sub license to Fox or Univision, um, but. Kevin, it seems like, and and from the discussions you and I were having today, it seems like MLS did not have all their ducks in a row whenever they made the agreement with the players. No, one of the things I heard too, and I heard this from an MLS official, was that they had not even come to terms with the Swan and Dolphin Resort. So this whole time they're negotiating with Disney, with ESPN, which is the same company, by the way, setting all this kind of stuff up, getting ready. They were saying it's going to be in a resort. We're going to have a quarantine then they waited until they negotiated with the players before they went back to Disney and said, okay, we're ready to go. Can we talk about where are we going to go now? My understanding is they didn't even have that done yet. And you would have thought that might be one of the first things that they would have set up. You know, I mean, I, Disney understands what's going on. They understand that MLS is not making reservations. They're just talking about the possibility of what can happen. But they didn't even have that done. And you compare that with the NWSL. And yes, there's nine teams compared to 26. There's fewer players. There's, uh, it's it's apples to oranges. I understand that. But my point is, NWSL, they agreed to play their tournament on May 27th. That's when they reached the accord to go forward with the tournament at the end of June, one month after they reached the deal. They had everything done. The housing, how, where they were going to go, a lot of the protocols. Um, it they it seemed as if MLS kind of did this backwards. Let's get the agreement and then let's tell everybody what the agreement is, as opposed to saying here's our plan. Is this okay with you guys? That's not how they negotiated with the players apparently. And they haven't even come out with their protocol yet. I mean, they have told, they have given players sort of a general idea of how things were going. But my understanding is they haven't, uh, you know, handed out the final, it's going to be a hundred plus page protocol of how everything will go. That hasn't been uh, released yet. And there still seems to be very nebulous ideas of what happens when more than one player 
whether on one team or in the entire tournament, will more than one player test positive? Yes, they're quarantined, but where? For yeah. how long? Where? You know, can they come back in? If 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 let's say they get, they get sick on opening day, which is July eighth, can they come back for the second for the knockout round, which starts two weeks later? That's their two week quarantine. Can they come back? Is everybody okay with that? Yeah, it's 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 a. Uh, it's a twisted web. We talked a bunch on Thursday about the NBA's plans and sort of how the NBA was going to set theirs up. And I would imagine that MLS is going to set up in a similar way, only because there's only certain amount of ways that you can really, um, you know, limit the interaction between people, limit the, um, you know, like buffets. We talked about in the NBA how like buffets are outlawed and that's not going to, you know, you can't you can't have open food anymore. It has to be, you know, individual servings and it has to be uh, something in a in a system where, you know, you can really control who's touching your food, who's not, and, and how many hands really touch things. And they're talking about, you know, touch points. Um, I don't know if any of you have been, you know, back at your offices, which I'm hopefully most of you aren't, you're not essential workers, but if you've been back there, I'm sure everybody's had the talking about, you know, touch points in terms of things that are touched a lot. Um, like for instance, uh, in the bathroom at our place, um, the light switch, right? Usually you turn the light on and off whenever you go in. Well, guess what? We just, we just leave them on. It doesn't matter. You don't need to touch it. We'll, you know, we'll survive on the, on the electricity. It's not a big, just leave them on. You don't need to touch it. That's not a place where we need to worry about it. Um, you know, I know that in some cases like doors that you go through a lot if you can leave those open so that way you don't have to go through them then you can do that but it's also about locking like outside doors for for our place where where we uh where i have my office uh we lock the outside doors because we don't want people coming in who aren't supposed to come in who aren't cleared to come in and so it's all of these little things that you do to compartmentalize to reduce touch points and the testing protocols how long when you're going to get tested you know for the nba they said we're doing all of our testing in the evening kevin and the reason was that by the time they test you and you go to sleep that the hopefully they have the results in the morning and so really you haven't come in contact with anybody in that amount of time so if you do test positive they know basically where you've been and who you've come in contact since the last time you were tested um so these are all things that are probably fairly well understood but it's we certainly haven't seen a 200 page document that mls has put out yet and when they do you can bet i'll be pouring through that in order to find all that stuff i mean you know well, the, M the nba went as went as close as to say that you can't play doubles ping pong right you can only play a uh, single ping pong well you know I, I could see mls saying well we can't have those tests run overnight because we'd have to pay those test takers overtime we can't do that so we'll take we'll roll the dice and we'll test them in the morning i mean i i i, I can't just really see MLS taking the cheap way come out on, on a lot on. of this you, stuff. You can't, you can't, you have to be, I mean, if you're a testing agency, are you not moving to Orlando to be like, hey guys, we're right here and we'll run those yeah. tests for you. Like, you know, hey, you got NBA tests, you got MLS tests. Yeah, that's, we're going to rent out the nearest, where's the the nearest like Halloween spirit store? You know, those Halloween spirit stores that pop up in every empty, they, I'm sure there's like some empty place they were going to move into where they would start, you know, displaying all their Halloween. They could, the testing people would just take over that building for a little while and it's not Halloween yet. They can probably go into Epcot right now, and it's probably empty. By the way, I think the buffet will be the biggest thing missed when this COVID thing is over. Um, the longest-lasting impact on human life will be the absence of buffets. It could be, you know, it was uh, it was interesting because in the NBA they were talking about, um, and it was by the way, it was an LA Times article that I'm sourcing, um, and I don't remember who wrote it. Of about, course, you know, about yeah, Dan, it. Dan 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 Wolke wrote it. 
Okay, so so Dan did a really good job just in the premise of the of the article by saying, you know, this is how the NBA players are going to walk through. But he talked about um, one of the things that happens, which is usually there's food after games, right? And we see it at Galaxy games all the time. There's usually pizzas in the um, in the team room afterwards, and everybody grabs some pizza. And on their way out, they're eating a couple pieces of pizza, or that you know, sometimes somebody will grab a whole box uh, and start walking out. Did uh, you ever get a piece of pizza? I've never, no, no, and nor no, should I. I never did either. Nor should I. But oh, I, come I, on. I I really didn't put in that much effort in order to walk down there. I mean, I know I know it's a long walk, but I don't know that I should like be rewarded with carbs and cheese. You're you're tight with a couple of those guys. They should have thrown you a slice. No slices. I've I've been no no but, slices this way. By the way, I really don't care what happens to the Galaxy players. I'm worried about our cookies and enchiladas in the press box. Those are gone now. Yeah, I was gonna say We're we toast. don't. Yeah, no no more buffet for us. No more no more cookies. No more. You know what? That's I don't know. We're just gonna have like prepackaged sandwiches eventually if we ever make it back listen i don't think that's happening this year um so maybe things go back to normal whenever we get a vaccine and everybody finally can get it. i yeah, i don't believe that either but just let me be positive kevin because i feel like i'm we, positive it's not coming back <laughs> i feel like we've been we've been positive i feel like we've been feeling better about this we're like hey mls is back we're gonna have stuff okay so there's gonna be some normalcy we're returning to it and now we're sort of watching it crumble before my very eyes and you know i'm kind of i'm kind of getting fed up on this whole like it, and it's difficult it's a mental thing but it's sort of like i i want something to look forward to um i would like to be able to watch soccer and certainly you can watch some european soccer but at no time by the way um am i thinking that we need to have soccer this year or we need to have basketball or baseball or hockey or anything else that's that's out there we don't need to have any of that let me let me share i, I so want to steal this line because it's so good i liked it so much but i can't alicia rodriguez who uh is a soccer writer here in southern california and is really good and doesn't get the credit she deserves she had a uh, some musings on the orlando pride and what uh, that means going forward and her best one was that she said that the whole idea of the pride withdrawing from the challenge cup uh, to her feels like the canary in the coal mine for all league and american sports at this point it's like this is, you know, you've been, it's kind of like you've been warned. Um, it's a flashing yellow light, uh, you know, go slow, caution. Yep. That maybe things of, I, I don't want to say they've, they've moved too fast because I don't think they have. I mean, if you look at what happened in Europe, the French League decided in April that the, the government said, you guys can't come back. We're not going to have professional sports until the fall at least. So soccer is over. And right after that, the Bundesliga came back within two weeks, and then the Premier League and La Liga and Syria are now playing it. Everybody seems to have figured it out. And uh, talked to somebody in Germany, a, a CEO of one of the teams in the Bundesliga, and he said, "You know what? France, France quit too early. Netherlands too. They should have stuck it out." That worked in Europe. If you look at the where the coronavirus curve is in Europe and in, in the whole European Union, it's way down. They can come back. We haven't gotten there yet. In the United States, we haven't flattened the curve at all. And so when you look and say, well, the Bundesliga could do it and the Premier League could do it, totally different situation where their societies are. And, and so I kind of like what Alicia's saying, that this is sort of a canary in the coal mine. This is the warning that, um, again, we're not going forward too fast, but we may not be able to go forward at all because we haven't nailed this thing down yet. Yeah, it's well, uh, I thought it was interesting because the uh, a German scientist was basically saying, uh, or maybe it was a German lawmaker was saying that, you know, a lot of the decisions that they made in Germany was based off of science that's come out of the United States. Um, and it's like, if only we would listen to our own scientists, um, you know, we'd, I, I think we'd be in a much better position. But y you're right. And I think it's important. They didn't move too fast. 
Um, they it looked like they had a good plan. We just have to understand that this is not going to be one of those things that's easily predicted. Not with the freedom of movement that we have in the United States, and and quite honestly, not in the in the freedom of mind that most people think that they have uh, in the United States. Uh, in terms of you know when they want to go somewhere and who's going to stop them, um, because you're certainly seeing you know a lot of that. I think there's a lot of great people who are doing their best to limit their their excursions outside, to limit their interactions, and and a whole bunch of things that are going on out there and then there's people who just really don't care um and so you know it's gonna put all of us at i mean look at california i mean we could be pointing it at, at florida and at texas um and at, there i think there's 19 states now that are showing you know spikes but in california is one of them california our our numbers have been going up as well so and we um, can thank orange county for that because they don't want to wear a mask down in your neighborhood don't worry governor decided that he was going to have a have a, a a little say in that so we'll see if that I, it won't help but hey it'll it'll be nice i wear my mask i can, I can only speak for myself um, you know the my mask family. by the way I, I need to say this the mask is a chance for you to show your colors you know, there's a lot of galaxy mask out there. You can put the galaxy mask on. If you, if you have to, you know, wear a suit and tie to work or you're wearing your work clothes, whatever you have to wear, you can't show your colors. You can't show your galaxy supporter. Put the mask on and there you go. It's just another way to show your loyalty. Yeah, it's, uh, it's int- again, it's just all, it's just an interesting time. But, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that's going to be difficult to predict. And so, you know, we've been telling you, and by the way, Kevin, it's not common knowledge, and I'll keep saying it on the show, and I know our listeners at least know, and that makes me feel better, um, is that MLS plans on having a regular season after this tournament. Uh, And I would say with the way the results are going around the country that you really have to question whether or not that's going to happen, whether that should even be safe. Uh, You know, we're questioning the tournament right now. If MLS can make it through the tournament, what happens when everybody comes back? And the bottom line is that nobody should really have an answer to that question yet, because as we've seen, even in 30 days, uh, things can completely change around. Um, And that's what you're seeing, you know, in Florida and and, in and around the Orlando area. And the Orlando cases, you know, are significant. Uh, The percentage positive is significant. And you can't just hide behind the fact that you say, oh, well, we're doing more tests. So there's going to be more cases. Yes, up to a certain point, that's true. But percentage of positives is also an indication that it's growing. Um, I forget who, maybe it was Procter & Gamble put out a chart that showed everybody's R numbers. And R is basically the transmissibility. Um, And it was going through each state. And you want a number below one, um, which means that for every person who gets sick, less than one person, you transmit it to less than one person if it's under one. One is you transmit it exactly to one person, uh, you know, 1.2, 1.5, 2, 3. You can see the exponentiality that that gets built into those numbers whenever you start uh, doing that. In California, we're a 1.1 right now. Um, which means that we are increasing the number of cases um, at an exponential rate. Whereas if you're below one, you can decrease them at an exponential rate. And anything below one technically should self-extinguish itself up to a certain point. Um, it may take a really long time if you're 0.99, but at the same time, you know, the closer you get to zero or you know, 0.1 in that area is the less that you can transmit the disease. And so basically it will die out on its own um, you know, up to a certain point. So that's, you know, those are all the things that you're sort of watching. And I'll tell you, you know, Florida was above the one threshold, but so is California. So, I mean, there's plenty of people to point fingers at um, and to do, but it feels like Orlando. It feels like Florida. It feels like, you know, other areas um, are, are more spinning out of control than, than other places. And certainly if you're in Major League Baseball, looking at Arizona and what's going on there, looking at Florida, you know, uh, same with the NBA, looking at Orlando and Florida area. Um, this is a this is a difficult people are going to have to make some difficult decisions and in some ways I'm glad I'm I'm not that person. Well, um, 
there was a there was a lot of numbers there. I didn't follow any of that, but I <laughs> it, I did catch the part at the beginning where you want to be below one, and that's what Dave Bingham always says whenever he takes the field. I want to be below one tonight as far as goals I give up. That's right. Um, but you know, you mentioned the tournament, and this is something talking to another MLS executive last week that struck me. We were talking about there are some coaches, Bob Bradley, uh, Bruce Arena, that have coached in World Cups, and this tournament format really you know plays nicely for them. They understand that group stages where you get warmed up and then you start to peak in the elimination stages and hopefully you're at your best if you make it to the final then that's the goal is that's where you want to play your best game and i was mentioning that to this person they said this tournament could be completely different i hadn't thought about this but it's absolutely right you know the games in group play are going to count in the league standings there's only going to be one champion but everyone's going to go back to their respective markets with the points that they earn in the first round of this tournament in group play that's going to count and this person told me he thinks that teams are going to go, uh, you know, great guns in group stage, and they're going to try to win all their games in group stage and then survive through the elimination rounds. And if they get knocked out in the first game or if they make it to the final and don't win, that's okay because the MLS is, uh, regular season is still what you want to win. And if you think about that, let's just say the Galaxy win all three of their games in group stage, right? Then they would come home with 10 points in the standings. And they would also beat LAFC at least once to, to go undefeated. The best LAFC could do would be two wins. And they might come back uh, tied with the Galaxy, uh, you know, with 10 points. So the idea that this group stage is really, really important because that's what you're going to take going forward if you buy the concept that there will be a regular season. That could really change this term. You could say teams playing their best soccer right out of the gate, hopefully, and then trying to survive through the group stage. Just not the way these tournaments normally go. Yeah, it's uh this this whole tournament thing, everything. It's all so up in the air, Kevin. I just want can I get some certainty in my life, please? Just any no, type not of certainty. Now. No. This virus doesn't want to give certainty to anybody. And when you talk about Florida, yes, uh, uh, half of the cases in Florida, by the way, we talk about those numbers, 100,000 cases. Half the cases come from the south, Miami-Dade County, uh, Monroe County, um, a little bit Monroe County, Palm Beach County, Broward County and and Miami-Dade are the two big big one. So half the case is coming from there, but you know, people travel, um, uh, you know, they may be going up to Orlando, especially when the theme parks open, which would be the, the beginning of next month. Right. Um, and then you look at the teams coming in, they've traveled and you think about, yeah, the players are tested and in quarantine and all that. Uh, a lot of the time there's an incubation period. So you look at a situation where Sasha Kleshton goes to training, he gets tested, he's quarantined at training. He doesn't mix with anybody gets in his car, comes home. Well, his wife and his kids have been out playing in the neighborhood. The wife went to the supermarket. Maybe she bumped into somebody. Um, you know, I'm not saying that they're that they're not being safe. They are, but everyone that they come in contact with, um, that's, like you said, a touch point. And so the players can be as safe as they want, but now you've got 26 teams coming from 26 different cities all over the country. Um, you know, that's how, how these things spread. So it's kind of a, of a of a spreading event as well. As careful as you want to be, uh, you know, I don't think that those Atlanta, uh, Orlando Pride players went out to get sick that night. They went out and they, they got sick. And uh, we don't know the extent and how serious it is. Everyone's talking about the hospitalizations too. Well, these are just positive tests. Um, these people aren't in the hospital. Yeah, but you get in the hospital after you test positive. You know, hopefully it doesn't it doesn't go that way. But there's nobody in the hospital that didn't test positive at some point. 
Yeah, no, it's uh, again all all interesting stuff. Let's get to a little bit lighter. Just we can always come back. We can like, we can circle back around if anything pops. You had ahead. enough of death and destruction already. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I can only handle so much of that a week. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, but Gordon Wild, let's talk about Gordon Wild a little bit. It's not somebody we necessarily you know seem to focus on for the LA Galaxy. A circus freak. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's that was that was the whole big deal. And obviously, you did the story on him. We talked about it whenever he he signed on. Is that you know Gordon Wild wild and his family comes from the circus the whole deal um and again we're going to talk about gordon wild here and you know realistically the only reason we're we're talking about him at some point is because he he won a contest a cooking contest um yes i said that gordon wild won a cooking contest uh that was put on by herbal life um and so you know we funny enough we have this recipe um we have the actual recipe we will put it up on our um on our website and if you want to make gordon wilds uh, uh, what is it called? It's called cozy, cozy teriyaki, teriyaki salmon. salmon. Yeah, cozy. There's there, there's a lot of math involved in this too because Gordon Wild, being German, he yes. was college in the United States, but he's born in Germany and spent his first 18 years there. I guess um, the ingredients are a mix of European measurements and and measurements that we're common with. You know, for instance, he wants 300 grams of salmon, right? But three tablespoons of teriyaki sauce, right? Uh, I mean, wants one small sweet potato that we can all do small, although that's relative. But then 100 milliliters of olive oil. So you got to do the math. This this is standard stuff, Kevin. Don't you know if you're a real cook here, you're you're measuring stuff out in grams, all right? Because the the standard system is just it's a nightmare for this stuff. But yeah, you know, when I when I cook, it's it's just basically remove foil pouch, <laughs> place in the microwave for two minutes. That's that's all I got to do. I was gonna say when you cook really well. when, when you cook, Postmates shows up. That's what that's what happens. So um, that's right. That's, that's fine. Um, but no, so so it's a salmon recipe, and again, uh, I'm gonna put this up there. Um, and we're going to put it on the corner of the galaxy website. Give me a, a day or two to put it up there. But if you make this, if you make this, this, uh, this recipe, uh, send me pictures, uh, don't Twitter, serve it in a buffet. Twitter, Instagram. How, yeah. Don't serve it on a buffet. We need to watch touch points, you know, do it safely. Make it for your, if you do it. Um, if, if I get, you know, a couple, I'll send some people some stuff. If I get like more than that, I'll pick some best ones, but I'll, I'll send you something if you make this, because you know what? You're locked up. All right. You can't do much. At least you can make Gordon Wilde's cozy teriyaki salmon. And Kevin, what we, this was a, a contest Herbalife put on, right? Right, and they had sixteen players in it. Uh, two players from each of the teams that were involved. I, I I didn't look into this that deeply, but I believe each of the team has some sort of connection to Herbalife. Uh, Sasha Kleshton was the other other player from the Galaxy that competed. They had a couple of players, I think, from Real Salt Lake, some from Millonarios, uh, some from a team in Thailand, and they they all made d- different dishes. Gordon Wilde won the Chef's Award. Which, uh, along with winning the award, it, it carried with it a, a don- donation uh, to the Los Angeles Food Bank in Gordon Wilde's name. Um, and how did Gordon Wilde learn to be a cook? He's a, apparently a very good cook, according to his friends. One reason he learned is he moved out uh, of his parents' home when he was 16, which was probably a wise decision because his mom and dad were both circus uh, performers. and They had a traveling circus that traveled all over Europe. His father speaks at somewhere between nine and 11 languages because he traveled all over Europe. Gordon himself speaks, I think five fairly fluently, including English is very good in English, obviously German. But uh, at 16, he left to go uh, play soccer and he didn't want to be one of those guys that had to eat out every night. He wanted to fend for himself and he wanted to eat well. So his mother and father taught him how to cook before he left. And they had learned how to do this because traveling with the circus, they had to, you know, make food, uh, you know, for the traveling circus troupe. So his father taught him this cozy teriyaki salmon dish. 
um, taught him some things that they made in the circus. And Gordon uh, just worked on it and worked on it over the years. He's 24 now, so it's eight years. And he became uh, a really good cook. Now, his family background is his great his grandmother was a trapeze artist, uh, was a wire walker. Um, his mom and dad, his mother went to the uh, National Circus School in France when she was younger. Um, and uh, Gordon did uh, acrobatics when he was a kid. His brother uh, performed on cruise ships as an acrobat. And Gordon said at about the age of seven or eight, uh, he was doing the circus stuff and he was also playing soccer. And he said at that time in Germany, you had to choose. You uh, Soccer at, at, at eight or nine is no longer sort of a fun thing. It's something that you have to devote yourself to. And so he chose soccer over the circus. He's very glad that he did. He had a really good college career back on the East Coast and has never really fit in in MLS. He was a second-round draft pick in the Super Draft by Atlanta, was there for a year and a half, never played in a MLS game, went to – DC United uh, scored in a friendly, but never played in a MLS game and then signed with the Galaxy in February. That's a long way to get to this point. The Orlando tournament is going to be really huge for Gordon Wild. He's 24. He plays midfield. Um, it's a place he can actually play on the back line or he can play as a forward too, but his position is a wide midfielder with the Galaxy. The Galaxy are loaded in the midfield, and Gordon dressed for the first two games this year and didn't get off the bench, and that was his lot. That's probably what he would have done all season. He would have played a few minutes, maybe once or twice a month. He wouldn't have got a lot of time just because the Galaxy is so loaded in the midfield and playing once a week, you're going to stay with your starting lineup. With this tournament in Orlando, the game's coming so quickly, nobody's really fit. Um, you get five substitutions. I think Gordon Wild is going to get a chance to play a lot of minutes in Orlando, and that's going to be an opportunity for him to show what he can do, an opportunity he would not have gotten in a regular season. And there's one other advantage he told me that he thinks he has going to this tournament. He lives alone, and he's lived alone for a long time since he left Germany. That's, again, why he learned to cook. Why is that important? Because when they go to Orlando, they're going to be quarantined, and they're going to be alone in their rooms. And um, for guys who have family and kids and wives and girlfriends and all that back home, that's going to be a little bit of a hardship it, and it's going to be an adjustment and they're going to be homesick and they're going to be lonely. You know what? Not Gordon Wild. That's how he lives now. He's living quarantined right now. So when he gets to Orlando, he's going to be, uh, you know, it's, there's going to be no change for him. He said, what you got to do is bring a lot of books. And so, um, I, I'm looking forward to him having a big tournament and I think he realizes that this is his chance. He's 24. He once was a phenom. Now he's kind of he getting to that point where, man, if you don't start to produce now, you're going to be one of those guys that's never going to get a chance again, never going to catch on. I think he's going to have a good tournament. Yeah, he, he could. And he's an interesting case. And he becomes more interesting as you as you dissect his story and, and all that stuff. I always think that like the some of the you know best soccer players come from just these colorful backgrounds, um, just these 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 crazy sort of stories that you have. I mean, you know, most people are like, well, do I pick between, you know, here in the United States, do I pick between basketball and soccer or, you know, what do I, you know, Gordon's picking between the circus and soccer. And that's, that's just not a story that you write, right? You don't go out and say, okay, let me, let me see if how I can uh, make this sound realistic. And he's going to pick between the circus and soccer. It's like, oh no, that's, that would, nobody would ever put that in a movie, but that's, that's the real life um, sort of side, side thing on this. I know we give him, you know, a little bit of crap on this just because uh, he won a cooking contest and, and realistically it's not something we should necessarily be covering. 
Um, but you know what? That's this is good for good for him. And then, like you said, I think this Orlando tournament is going to be. You look at down the down the line. This is one of the reasons the Galaxy could really struggle in this tournament too, Kevin. Um, is that their depth is not really something that's known. Um, there's players, um, although not even that many players, by the way, with uh, Danny Acosta technically still recovering. The LA Galaxy only have 24 players on the roster. Now, uh, we told you on Thursday we expect that there will be some USL signings, so some guys coming up from USL to sort of fill in some positions. And remember, the game day rosters for this tournament are 23 players. Um, so with Danny Acosta out and only 24 players, basically, Kevin, everybody gets a dress for every game. Uh, until they sign some more players. And then when you think about it, there's only going to be one or two guys that are really left off the game day rosters as you dress 23 players instead of the 18. You have the five subs. And now, you know, Galaxy have been doing training, uh, full team training for about a week now. Do you know who, how they limited that? Could anybody come and train? The reason I ask that is because Galaxy 2 won't begin anything near contact training until Wednesday at the earliest. So if that's if that's a fact, like uh, a guy like Triority couldn't compete or couldn't train with the Galaxy, is he waiting to get his first training session now in three and a half months? And if that's the case, those guys that the Galaxy may call up, those guys are not going to be anywhere close to fit. Well, I mean, I would imagine this is just me imagining. I don't know because I'm not there and I haven't seen on the on the videos the of anything the Galaxy have posted. I would imagine that the guys that they're going to call up from USL are already up with the senior team training. Um, yeah, and you would think so. Yeah, it would it would make sense. So you would you know I, I like I said uh, we talked about Traore is probably one of them. Uh, Karenia is, is sort of my odds on favor to uh, to to be called up as well um, and signed for this tournament as well. So um, you know there's lots of interesting things and you know there was a there was an immigration uh, decision today uh, by the Trump administration to limit uh, visitors on certain visas and so I've been looking into that to see if any of the P1 visas, which is what players and and things and uh, players transfers in, um, they come in on P1 visas. I haven't seen that pop up, but it's something that we're looking at because that could affect transfer windows and everything else. And we talked about transfer windows that could be as short as two days uh, prior to this tournament to allow teams to adjust uh, their rosters, get USL call-ups, get people in who they have quote-unquote signed already um, you know, onto the rosters officially. And then after the tournament, there was going to be a longer transfer window that opens up probably the 30-day 30, 30 type of transfer window that we're used to seeing in the summertime um, that comes around as well. All of that could be put in jeopardy by any of these, um, you know, immigration rulings that are currently coming from the current administration. So uh, something to watch. I did not see the P1. I'm, I'm be honest. I did not see the P1 visas mentioned. I saw a bunch of other visas and I was looking for the P1s, but it's I, I have not had a chance to look at the actual, uh, I believe, executive order or the extension of the immigration, um, you know, uh, holds on on different places and uh, and different visas. But there are those are out there, and that could end up affecting what happens in Major League Soccer. Yeah, did you see the rally in Tulsa? That was a Chivas USA crowd. <laughs> there was somebody said that uh, that the uh, between the political rallies and all of the uh, all the sports that are going on in empty stadiums, that the only people making money in this economy right now are the people who make tarps. Yeah. Um, and well, I, was, I was like, that's a good one. Yes. Speaking of small crowds, USL is going to USL Championship, the second tier at USL Championship, which includes Orange County Soccer Club and Galaxy Two. They're gonna they are scheduled to resume play on July 11th. They're supposed to start training this this Wednesday, as we mentioned. They're already talking about trying to play some of their games this summer in front of crowds. I don't know how that will affect Galaxy Two, whether California will allow that to happen. Texas already said it will allow that to happen, and there's four USL Championship clubs in Texas, and the uh, Texas Governor Abbott said that uh, 
live sports can can be played in front of, in a stadium as long as there's no more than 25% capacity. So if you look at the Cotton Bowl, you could have 25,000 people there. Um, not that a USL game will be played there, but it, you know, there, you were looking for light at the end of the tunnel, and and maybe that's it. Although I don't know, that, that doesn't fe- that doesn't feel like light, Kevin. It doesn't feel like it, light whenever you're putting. I was, just, I was about to say maybe you could at least go see a, some live soccer with Galaxy Two, but you know, I California is not Texas. I don't know that Governor Newsom is going to allow that, or or Barbara Ferrer in LA County is going to allow that to right. happen. Barbara Ferrer, by the way, apparently getting death threats now because she's telling people to wear a mask, which. Seemed a little harsh to me. We, we already went through that in Orange County. The poor woman who was in charge of the Orange County Health had death. She had to have a sheriff's guard for telling people to wear a mask. I just, mm, oh, wonderful, wonderful people. <laughs> anyway, um, yes, so that's uh, that's sort of where we sit on that. I, I think you're right in, in terms of USL and, and you know, Texas. And, and I know I think FC Dallas has sort of been pushing that behind the scenes that they're going to have fans in the stadium. Um, you know, you look at places in Florida, maybe Orlando would have had fans in the stadium uh, with the way that they're open for business. I think everybody, including the governors from both Texas and Florida, are rethinking sort of their whole uh, plan there, which is, hey, you know, this this isn't doesn't look good and we need to really turn some things around. Arizona, Utah, um, you know, here in California, again, we're still we're still not doing great. So we, it's not like you can jump up and down and say, see, we're look how good we're doing. Uh, it's not good. And so, well, you know, when you look at some of the, uh, I, I know there are three famous incidents now. There were the 13 women that that went to a bar in Jacksonville and all came down with coronavirus. We know the Orlando City uh, deal now with the Pride, uh, Orlando Pride. That, that the women got sick when they or got the coronavirus when they went to a bar. Same thing happened in Arizona. A bunch of people went to a bar because bars are now open there. You know what? I'm getting pounded at home. And when I wake up the next morning, I think I was in a bar. So it doesn't really matter. Just, you know, you can drink at home and and uh, save the bars until it's safe. There's a, it sounds like a, a, a good plan to me. All right. A uh, little bit better news. Um, and certainly I've been trying to do the research. I need help. Everybody really needs to help me out with this research. Um, I'm trying to find all of, the, all of the Galaxy babies that are currently, you know, baking. Um, so we know that Chicharito's wife, uh, Sarah is, is pregnant, um, with their second child. Um, and then we have, um, the, the most recent one, which by the way, Chris Pontius is no longer on the team, but I'm going to count this as a galaxy baby. Anyway, uh, Chris Pontius and his wife, Alex are pregnant. Uh, I think, uh, that the hammer is telling me that, uh, Insua's wife is pregnant. So who else's wife is pregnant? Um, because I feel like there's going to be a baby boom, a galaxy baby boom going on, uh, during the quarantine. Uh, my wife, by the way, said the only people who are having babies during this quarantine are people who already don't have babies because you, you're, you're, you're at home and you're, you have to watch, you're there with your kid the whole time. Uh, so I don't know, maybe I'll get out of only having a one kid, uh, this time and, and just having two boys and not having to go searching for that girl, Kevin, cause the way that she's complaining recently, I think maybe, maybe I have it. Like Eric said, I should just start collecting wiener dogs, which is what he's doing. So well, didn't you, maybe this is a, a untrue rumor that, yes. that we should shouldn't repeat on air but i right. thought you had mentioned that perhaps david bingham's wife i thought so Maybe i don't i don't child. have any confirmation of that and i've been while we've been recording i have not been able to look so if it is and we missed it then i apologize but i'd like to keep a list of the galaxy baby boom that's going on by the way aj de la garza his wife megan uh have the third girl i think on the way um so congratulations to them as well um i there was there's some other rumors out there of of different former galaxy players who um who are pregnant uh, as well but i just i feel like there's a galaxy baby boom coming and i would just like to you know keep track of these future galaxy stars or nwsl stars uh there kevin because you gotta you gotta, gotta know where they're gonna land 
I'm going to say probably not Julian Araujo or Efrain Alvarez. Just <laughs> throw that out there. Probably not those two. Only only you. Uh, let's talk a little bit about NWS. I hope not. Effortlessly humorous. That's what they That's call right. you, Kevin Baxter. Right. Effortlessly humorous. Uh, Tip your waiter. Just real quick, let's touch on the NWSL um, and the possibility of the LA Galaxy slash AEG being somehow involved uh, with an NWSL expansion team here in Los Angeles. It was big news, obviously, last week. We got to talk a whole bunch about it on Thursday, but I figured let's talk to Kevin a little bit um, and, and see what he knows as well. So, Kevin, where, where do we sit with this? How much do we actually know? Well, first of all, Meg Linehan from The Athletic broke that story last week that there was a uh, which she, a person she called a serial entrepreneur who wanted to bring uh, an NWSL franchise to Los Angeles. Um, that reporting was all good, and, and uh, Meg added sort of as an afterthought almost that one of the MLS teams in town, uh, there are two, one of them were, was involved in this. And so uh, that was interesting. So I, the first call I put in, I think most people – felt that like, you know, with Mia Hamm being involved in LAFC, that they were the natural team. I called them um, and they said, no, it's not us. We have, uh, we haven't talked to this woman, uh, at least not seriously. Um, we're not somebody who is part of these negotiations. We may be uh, interested in NWSL sometime down the road, but this particular franchise is not one that we're talking to. So then I called the Galaxy and said, there's only two teams in town. One of them is involved. The other team said it's not them. It must be you. And the Galaxy really have never pushed back on that, but they've never confirmed it either. I tried again today to get someone to talk about it. Uh, they wouldn't talk about it. They said nothing has changed since last week. Um, so it's one of those situations where the Galaxy won't, won't deny it. They won't say it's untrue, but they won't confirm it either. Um, and I don't know what that means. I don't know whether they, they need to follow the woman who is leading these talks and they don't want to get in her way. I don't know if it means they don't know what form this is going to take. I've been told that it's a wide open negotiation right now. They could be involved in such a little way as just allowing the team to play and train at uh, Dignity Health Sports Park. And that's that's the, the end of their involvement. Or it could include an ownership stake. So I think a lot of these things are evolving. One thing to, to watch for, though, is these talks started uh, back in May or even earlier when NWSL was about to announce that it was the first league coming back. They had plans for this tournament. Everything looked great. Fast forward a month, you know, their 19 tournament is now an 18 tournament with none of the star players playing. Um, it, it, there's a, you know, they won't play a game in front of fans this year. I'm told that the Challenge Cup tournament is it for uh, NWSL. They are not going to come back to the home markets and try to play a season. Correct. So the year after the World Cup, right, when we had this enormous momentum for women's soccer, the year after the World Cup, there will be no women's club games played in the United States. And think about what that does to the momentum of women's soccer. All these young girls who wanted to come out and see their stars play, they can't see them play until next year at the earliest, next April at the earliest. That's an incredible blow to the NWSL. So I would not be surprised if this whole thing takes a big step backwards because I do think you have to ask at this point, will the NWSL survive and, and how will it survive? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and, and we talk about the different sort of levels of, of Galaxy involvement slash AEG involvement. And, you know, we talked about what an operating partnership really could be, which is, you know, hey, we have fields, as you said, Kevin, you know, you can come train here. Hey, we have a stadium. Hey, you can come play here. We have PR people. You can use our PR people. We have marketing don't, don't people. Don't do that. That's not a good idea. Don't, don't <laughs> You'd be that. nice. You'd be nice. It's quarantine. <laughs> everybody needs to be nice. Okay. I'm tired. No more. No more. Everybody's nice. I love everybody. Um, 
Um, but no, I mean, it could be, you know, hey, we have social media, we have this. You can, you can start adding as much as you want to that all the way into, hey, we want to own a piece of this. Hey, we want to own a, a bigger piece of this. Hey, we want to own most of this. Hey, why do we even need you anymore? Um, you know, all of these different things that you could look at and sort of see how AUG's involvement is. So, um, you know, one of the things is that it seemed like they were waiting and they didn't, uh, you know, at least according to Meg's article, they were talking about how they didn't want to overshadow this tournament that was getting ready to start. Now you have bad news. Orlando's not playing in it. Um, the whole first round, basically, that was being played in, in uh, Utah was to eliminate one team so that way they could have an eight-team playoff sort of race um, going going for the, for the rest of the season that one team is now gone the entire schedule has to be reworked so there's all this sort of negative news wouldn't it then be a positive thing to make an announcement that says oh by the way nwsl yeah orlando's gone but guess what expansion in los angeles um so look for i mean if you're going to make an announcement and you just had bad news it's sometimes good to put out really good news uh that, that could happen but as you're right kevin maybe this changes things maybe this this isn't how it all you know, works out. Maybe there's now more questions being asked and deals can fall apart. Um, deals that you think are done that just haven't quite signed on the dotted line yet fall apart sometimes. Um, so looking at all those things, I think we're going to have more answers as we go a little bit closer to the start of this tournament. And then hopefully as this tournament gets played a little bit. Well, and, and so, you know, I think there could be more news. And let me just say NWSL, you know, I, I just said I, I don't know how it will survive, but it needs to survive. Uh, this is the the best soccer women's soccer playing country in, in the world in history, obviously. We need a first division league. All 23 players from that World Cup team played in NWSL uh, last year. They're all on – I think maybe one player is in Australia, but they're all on rosters this, this season. Um, I, I don't know why this league hasn't caught on, and I think maybe because they're they're playing in some rather unusual markets – uh, for women's soccer, I think they need to be in California. They need to be in places like California, Seattle, Portland, where they've had uh, you know huge success. Um, I just don't understand why it hasn't caught on when you look at the incredible uh, success and and popularity of the women's team and players on the women's team like Alex Morgan and Megan Rapino. This it, it seems to me like a no brainer, but it hasn't caught on. And hopefully, it can weather the storm because it really needs to. It it, it U.S. soccer needs it. and Jill Ellis talked a lot about how the U.S. team has managed to stay so good when the rest of the world is getting better. And she said it's the NWSL. That's really what has it, – it would have been its eighth season this year. And, again, building out the popularity of the World Cup, the, the league needs to come back. and needs to be healthy. It's got some sponsorship now. But, you know, sponsors, they're big companies. Those are run by millionaires and billionaires. And those people made their money because they're smart investors. They're not going to invest in the league that looks like it's on the way down. So NWS has to do something, and maybe you're right. Maybe if they say we're expanding to the number two market in the country, second largest market in the country, the number one women's soccer market in the country, why haven't we been there before? I don't know. We tried once, and it didn't work. Ten years later, they're coming back. Maybe that's one one way to kind of save this and get investors interested again by saying we're going into the L.A. market, which is home to two of the best college programs in the country in USC and UCLA and home to a lot of World Cup players like Alex Morgan and Christian Press. Christian Press. Don't make me her, come over there. This is this is too. why you this is why you her put too. things in type and don't don't speak for a living, right? That's this right. is what we always say. You know how to spell it. You just can't say it. All right. 
Sometimes okay. I don't know how to spell it either. Yeah, well, and this, you know, you, this, this is why I have Grammarly, all right? And it helps. There was a publicist that I that whenever I said her name, she would stop me and correct it. And I'm like, do you want me to read about your product or not? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Heaven forbid you should correct me for being wrong again. Yeah, I will spell her name correctly. I just can't say it. <laughs> Ibrahimovic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, good thing he's gone now. Now you finally yeah. got it now that he's gone. That's good to know. All right. Um, I don't think I have anything else. You want anything else you need to clean up? Uh, I don't before? think we had anything at all to start with but now that it's over yeah it, it, no, we, i'm good we filled the time well i mean my frustration at you know being locked up was only mildly entertaining you're you're effortlessly humorous so i think uh, all in all we we survived through another uh, another show i think that's that's probably pretty good all right it's uh, gonna be interesting coming back what are we gonna talk about next week will we have a tournament or will we not have a tournament hopefully oh, we'll have a schedule by then Ooh, cliffhanger all right yeah everybody tune in obviously a live show coming up on thursday as well we'll have all the updates between then and now all right uh if you're looking for mr kevin baxter on twitter please follow matt k baxter 11 and head on over to latimes.com get your subscription read his articles again he's writing about soccer almost as much as he's writing about other things right now so uh go over there and support him the best you can if you're looking for me on twitter it's at jgesman jguess and of course at galaxy podcast corner our videos our podcasts our articles all that stuff can be found right there corner of the recipes galaxy. oh and our recipes yes the, the gordon wild recipe will be at all right, uh, for Mr. Kevin the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Patrick Esman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.